If you've got a Bible, I want you to join me in the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5 is where we're going to begin this morning. At the end of last week's service, I I told you that this week is going to be just a little bit different. Because this week, my responsibility for this time of teaching is to sort of chart a course that we're going to be taking come the fall, come September. Now, this is, uh, this is the first Sunday just about of the summer, and we're about to hit the summer session and the summer season, and, and uh, that, that's a season uh, where it's obviously really, really hot, and, and some of us travel and do sorts of things. So before we full in hit the summer, I want to talk about some things that are going to happen in September, because you know, as I do, believe it or not, September is going to be here really, really, really fast. In 1 Peter chapter 5, I want us to begin looking at a passage of Scripture where the Bible, the Bible says, here's the responsibility of a pastor. So I want you to know, straight from God's Word, how I view my role as a, a, as a pastor. So we're going to look at some of these verses, and, and this is a little bit unique in that this time is sort of announcement and sermon at the same time, which is, which is different than how it usually is. So this is sort of a surmountment, right? First um, Peter 5 informs me on my role as a pastor. This is Peter writing, and he says, So I exhort the elders among you. Now, now elder is a, is a word here in the Scripture that's synonymous with the role of a pastor. So elder, pastor, same thing. It's what God's called me to do. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Wow. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Honestly, I've probably read that and prayed over that passage of Scripture more than any passage of Scripture in the Bible since I became the pastor here at Calvary Baptist Church because I want to pastor the way the Bible says we are to pastor. So if I were to summarize that section, the Bible says a pastor should give oversight to his people in a humble way. There's a clear warning here in the Scripture, isn't there? Hey, pastor, you remember the chief shepherd's coming. The, the, the main pastor, Christ, is, is coming, and, and the Bible warns me that I'm going to stand before him. And I'm going to give an account of how I led the people in, to use Peter's words here, my, my charge. I'm to serve him knowing it's to him I will give an account. I mean, that's the primary way to remain humble, amen? I mean, to know that you're going to stand before him helps us cultivate humility. Not just the pastor, but he concludes, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. So Peter compares the role of a pastor to that of a, of a shepherd. Well, we don't see a lot of shepherds these days unless you go to a Christmas play at church, right? And somebody always got the cloak and got the shepherd's crook. And, and what is a shepherd's responsibility? Shepherd has two primary responsibilities, protection and provision, right? A shepherd's responsibility is to protect his sheep and to provide from his sheep. He must protect sheep from dangerous predators, wolves and the like. And these are the days of great danger. You know, Jesus gave the warning that 
ravenous wolves come to you how? Like ravenous wolves? No. Actually in sheep's clothing, right? Oh, we live in a day of many false teachings, many false teachers, many false gospels. And a pastor's responsibility is to protect his sheep from those dangers. Not just protection. A pastor must also provide for his sheep. He provide healthy food, provide a place for rest. We immediately think of Psalm 23 when God reveals that he himself is a shepherd leading us beside still waters. He must understand, a pastor, that a sheep has certain needs and then seek to provide for those needs. So if you pray for me, you pray First Peter 5, right? Pray that Pastor Brandon is a man of humility, but he's also a man who, the Bible says, exercises oversight, but not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. In other words, a pastor, a shepherd says, here's the, here's the direction that we do need to go. Here's where the still waters are, and here's where the green pastures are, and here's where the good food is. And, and sometimes this is a way away from danger. So that's just a long wind, not long-winded, that's not the word I want to use. Did any of you use that? By way of introduction, to, to say when I, when I say, church family, here's a direction we want to head, I want you to know that this is the context of saying that. Not under compulsion. I'm not here to stand today and say, here's what we're going to do. Not under compulsion, but willingly. I'm here to st- say in humility, as I've prayed and read the scripture, here's a direction that we want to, to head. So this fall, September, As a church family, we're going to make a few adjustments to our schedule. We're going to add something to our schedule on Wednesdays, and then we're going to adjust something in our schedule on Wednesday evenings. We're going to add something on Wednesday mornings, and then we're going to adjust something on Wednesday evenings. So let's take those things one at a time. First of all, the addition. Beginning on Wednesday, September 9th, we're going to be adding a weekly Bible study for our seniors at 11 in the morning. Our cornerstone group is how we call them here at the, at the church. Uh, I, I'm going to have us get together each week with, with sort of my fellow great-haired friends. We're going to sing together, open the Bible, study together. You know, well, you say, why? Here, here's why. One of the frequent statements I've heard as a pastor among our precious seniors is, I just can't make it on Sunday evenings. I just can't get there on Wednesday evenings. Well, there's a combination of um, perhaps some physical challenges or when it gets dark and so on and so forth. I've, I've heard that. I've prayed about it. Uh, I've had many say that they desire to be together, uh, but they just can't make it in those, those hours. So on Wednesday, again, September the 9th, we're going to begin at 11 in the morning, a Bible study and invite all of our seniors who would like to come. Most weeks we'll probably study together. Now, let me go on and say it's, it's not going to be you just come and listen to me for, you know, an hour. I know that may not be desirable to much, most, most anybody. But we are going to study the Word. We're going to sing, and we're going to pray together. And, and hopefully you seniors won't get too mad at me because I'm going to reveal a secret. We're also going to have a lot of fun together because I don't know if you know this or not, But of all the groups in our church family, the group that actually has the most fun together are our seniors. We just won't tell anybody else. But I just told everybody else, didn't I? But I hope you'll come. Invite your friends to come Wednesdays, September 9th, beginning September 9th, Wednesday mornings at 11 o'clock. We get all our seniors together. We're going to study. And then then there'll probably be some uh, number of weeks as well, if you're up to it, that we'll get together and go to lunch and sit down and encourage one another. The... the, um, 
the season of life, every season of life has its challenges. Every season of life has its physical challenges, has its emotional challenges, has its spiritual challenges. And so this, this Bible study is geared specifically around our precious group of seniors and church family. Will we not all agree that we are blessed with one of the most amazing group of seniors that any of us could be around? So we're going to bring them together. And probably the person who's going to benefit most from that is going to be me to have the opportunity to be with them on a weekly basis. So that's change number one. Change number one is an addition to our current schedule. That's an addition of Wednesday nights, or I'm sorry, Wednesday mornings. You'll begin to see in the bulletin come, come uh, uh, September the 9th, weekly service. You'll always see Wednesdays, 11 a.m., right here at the church, seniors Bible study. That brings us to the second change. The second change is an adjustment to our existing Wednesday evening schedule. And that adjustment is going to begin on Wednesday, September 16th. We're going to begin meeting in what I'm just going to call home groups. The reason I call them home groups is because it it just helps us understand what a home group is. What do you think a home group is? A home group is a group that meets in a home. You got it. Now you say, what what do I do in a home group? So let me just briefly uh, describe a home group and then... When it comes to an announcement, you always want to answer who, what, when, where. But you know what the most important question to answer for us this morning is the fifth one. What's the fifth one? Why? Why are we going to do that? Why are we making the adjustment? So if you'll give me a few moments, that's exactly what I want to talk to you about this morning. So what is a home group? A home group is made up of 12 to 14 adults, and their families, their children. So, so you're going to go Wednesday, same time, 630 to, to a home group, and so instead of everybody meeting together in one time, in one place here, we're going to continue to meet together, but we're going to be meeting in homes. The, the host homes, the home group leaders are already in place, and so home groups will meet on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8, and within that time frame, do at least three things. We're going to visit together. We're going to have a group discussion based on the Sunday morning sermon. We're going to pray together. That doesn't sound complicated, does it? We're going to meet together, fellowship together, have a discussion around the scripture that we're studying, and, and then pray together. So those are the, the three primary reasons to answer the question, why are we doing this? Let's open up our Bible, and I, uh, my responsibility this morning is to answer that question. Why home groups? Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but, but I'm going to ask this, this simple question. Have you noticed that in the last, I don't know how many years you want to use, 8, 10, 12 years, a lot of things have changed. Have you noticed that? A lot of things have changed. And one of the things that's quickly going by the wayside in our culture are deep friendships and relationships. Anybody agree with that statement? Uh, uh, There's a great irony, isn't there? We've lived by what historians are calling the communication revolution, right? I mean, you've got things in your pockets now called phones or tablets that have amazing technological power. I mean, you can stay plugged in and wired to celebrities and, and what's going on in the news or what's going on in the sports. You can text somebody. You can message somebody. But at the same time, the strange thing is while there's so many more ways to communicate with people, we're actually communicating with one another on a deep level less and less and less. Now, that's not the main reason. That's not the main reason we're going to move to home groups, but it is one of the reasons. So, so let's, let's get around God's word here. First Peter, you're already in chapter 5. Move here with me to chapter 4. 
And I want you to grab a hold of one phrase in particular. Now, all these verses that we're going to read are awesome, but I want you to grab a hold of one phrase in particular. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, the end of all things is at hand. Now, Peter wrote this hundreds and hundreds of years ago, right? Did he know what he was talking about? The end of all things is at hand? Well, what he's getting at is that Christ has done everything he's going to do before he comes back. So there's nothing left for Jesus to, come to, to do before he comes back, amen? He's just going to come back. So since the end of all things is at hand, there should be a sense of urgency. He says, therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, here's what he says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. That's the phrase I want you to grab a hold of. Keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. To him belong glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, I want you to grab a hold. We'll we'll walk through some of these verses to keep loving one another earnestly. That's the heart of, heart of home groups. Now, here's, here's, sort of a, here's sort of a reality. We've used this illustration before. It's possible, it's possible to come to this meeting. And we're not changing this meeting. This meeting, Sunday night meeting, same, same. I'm going to stand here, proclaim God's word. I'm going to proclaim it as well and by God's grace in humility as, as powerfully as we, as we can. But it's also possible, it's also possible to come and, and in this setting, how, how many minutes did we give you to greet one another? What do we usually give you? 90 seconds, maybe? Two minutes, you can greet one another? Now, probably you've gotten to kind of know the faces of the people that are sitting near you, right? And you shake hands, and maybe y'all, you know, if anybody developed one of those complicated sports handshakes, you know, chest bump, anything like that. I don't usually see that. But, but you know some of the people around you. But we've arrived in days if we're going to cultivate deep relationships with brothers and sisters in the Lord, we have to do it intentionally. Intentionally meaning we have to set aside time to do it. Be, be, because, the, I'm not going to put old Mr. Ronald on today, but we've used this illustration before. Everybody say good morning. Ronnie, I see you back there, choir. See, see Ronnie? See, see the, the, the thing that can happen is you can come to church, and you can always come to church wearing a mask. Now I'm not going to put it on because I've got the microphone, and then I'll probably poke myself in the eye, but... You know what I mean? You, you can come and kind of get your spiritual mask on, got yourself together, got my shirt, got my tie, got my coat, and you can come and you can sit. And if we're not careful, we can do that month after month after month, and nobody really knows us, and nobody really knows you. So it's possible, we got about 300 people here this morning, that some people can still feel as alone in a group of 300 as, as, is, as is possible. Now, you open up the Bible, and, and, and obviously you begin to read about the church, and man, they love each other, and we love each other. I'm not saying we don't love each other. What I want to do is cultivate an environment where we can do this. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Some of us this morning, some of us this morning have deep struggles that nobody knows about, and you wish somebody knew and could pray with you and you could call. So home groups is an opportunity for us to cultivate those sorts of relationships. Let me give you the three main reasons. As I've prayed, talked to the other pastors here at Calvary, Matthew and Josh, talked with our deacons, talked with other uh, men and women that I uh, know and trust and love, 
uh, here at our church and in other churches, other pastor friends of mine, three primary reasons that we're going to move to home groups. Number one, home groups will allow us to go deeper in the study of God's word. If you're in 1 Peter, I want you to turn back a few books with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and 17. And similarly, how we did in 1 Peter 4, I want you to grab a hold of one phrase here in particular. It says in verse 12, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all, put on love, there it is again, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now here's the phrase I want you to grab hold of. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Uh, one, one reason we're moving, want to move to home groups is home groups will allow us to go deeper in the study of God's Word. Now, I think it's 100% necessary for you to listen to good, faithful Bible preaching, which is my responsibility to present if you're going to grow as a Christian. It's sort of non-negotiable. It's the same way that you need food to eat and thrive physically. You need to feed on God's Word. One of the ways that you feed on God's Word is by Christ-centered preaching. However, if you really want to grow and mature as a follower of Christ, hearing the preaching of God's word should be supplemented with reflection upon God's word, right? I mean, if if, if you come and hear the sermon, but then don't have reflection, don't think, okay, now how do I apply that to my life this week? Or what does that got to do with my family? What's that got to do with my marriage? In, In other words, we can get in the habit of listening to preaching, but once the service is over, we're not thinking about how that now applies to our lives if we're not careful. So, so here's what happened in a home group. Here, here's what we're going to be doing. You come Sunday morning, going to open up the Bible, we're going to preach, we're going to teach, we're going to proclaim the gospel faithfully, and when you leave, on your way out, you're going to get a little handout, and it's going to have seven, eight discussion questions that you, if, you, if, you, if you're going to come to home group, you just begin to read over and be, begin to reflect on, so that on Wednesday night when you get there, home groups is not another Bible study. It's not something removed and disconnected from Sunday morning. Now you're going to come and you're going to get around the same text. For example, we've been in, we've been in what, 1 Samuel 15 for several weeks. You're going to open that up and now you're going to have time to talk. Now, home group's not group therapy. That's not what we're getting at. Home group is an opportunity for you to get around. Now, now I know some of you are the same personality I am. And you hear the word group discussion. And now, now, I'll just be honest. My personality is anything but a group discussion. I mean, I stand here and talk all day, but to get around group, but but here's something in humility that I've had to learn from the Scripture. I'll, put it, I'll use this illustration. You know what my least favorite assignments were in college? Some of you, Wilson, Veronica, Lord be with you because you're going to get assigned some of these. A group project. A group project. And you used to sign me a paper. I don't care how long it is. You should, let me just do it. But then you've got to get in a group, and then you go there, and you meet in the library. And then basically well, how it boils down is at the end of the day, all the work gets left with one person, and, and that's kind of what seemed to happen to me, and it didn't ever go well, and I just, I just don't really like I, I almost failed a class in seminary over, uh, I shouldn't have said that to my church, oh, you know, just, you know. <laughs> I almost failed a class in seminary because 
50% of the grade was a group project. And I won't go into details. It was the low point of my academic uh, uh, career when uh, uh, I just need to move past. Maybe I do need just some group therapy on the group. <laughs> on the group. Um, but, but, but what I'm learning is holiness, sanctification, it really is a group project. We, we need each other in ways that we often don't recognize. And you know this, you've been told this many, many times, there's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian, right? There's no such, and I always find that ironic because the lone ranger himself had Tonto, right? I mean, so you see Paul's got Silas or Paul's got Timothy. Uh, Jesus sends him out two by two. You, you know, here, here, here's the best example. Here's the best example. We, would we all agree that we probably want to set up the way we do ministry as a church the way that Jesus did ministry? And what you'll find is if you study the life of Jesus, many times he stood before large groups of people and taught. Sermon on the Mount, Luke, and other passages that, that, we, that we've studied. And he teaches a large group of people all at one time. And have you noticed this? Most every time after he gets done teaching, what does he do? And he takes his 12 disciples. And, and, and that's sort of like a home group, just honestly. That's kind of what that is. It's a home group. He's got about 12. That's about how many we'll have, 12 to 16. And, and, and then even within that group of 12, have you noticed this about Jesus? He even got a smaller group of Peter, James, and John. Three relationships, and it's probably, it's probably. Now, now here's the reality for you in this. Nobody in this room is going to know everybody else really well, are you? You're never going to know 300 people on a deep level, but can you know 10? Can you know 12? Probably. And then, and then beyond that, can you get three that are sort of your accountability partners that know what's going on in your life? So, so uh, group number one, number one, home groups will allow us to go deeper in the study of God's word. So again, the home group discussion, I write the questions, I give them ahead of time to our home group leaders, and then you after the sermon are going to pick them up on your way out each Sunday. And, and, and the leader, home group leader, you're going to show up at their home, they're going to open up the door, it'll be a little more informal, you're going to sit down, and, and the home group leader will give you a 25, 30 minute, maybe longer discussion. So the home group leader's responsibility is not to teach a 30-minute lesson, but rather the responsibility is to lead a discussion on the text that we studied together so that we're going deeper in God's Word. So Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights are tied together because when we drill down deeper in God's Word, it's because we believe it's God's Word that ultimately, permanently, and definitively changes lives. So reason number one, we're going to do home groups allow us to go deeper in the study of God's word. Number two, we already kind of danced around this already. We need to cultivate deeper relationships among one another. Love one another earnestly. Do you know it's very, very, very difficult, if not impossible, to love someone earnestly that you don't know all that well? And again, we're living in a culture that uh, for the most part encourages really shallow relationships and self-centered relationships, and I'll be your friend as long as you can do something for me. Serve one another. Love one another earnestly. Home groups is a place, now I'm not saying you've got to wear your mask to Sunday morning service. I know you don't. But home groups is a place where you can take that mask off and you sit down, and people can really know who you are and you can know them. Can Can I share with you for a moment, pastor, to protect and provide for his flock. Can I just share with you a thought that has come to my mind over and over and over as I've prayed about this? Our culture is changing rapidly, right? Amen? 
I think, I want to say this as, as your pastor, I think the day will soon be upon us if you purpose to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ in America, in this culture, you're going to need deep relationships with like-minded believers. I, I think that day, it's probably not even to say that it's coming, I think it's here. It's always been true, but, but I'm just telling you, and I think we'd almost have to be blind to it, that the culture's changing. We, we've gone from sort of a, a, a Christ-centered culture to a non-Christ, non-Christian culture, and then we're stepping into an anti-Bible, anti-Christian culture. And and you're going to have to know who's who's with me. You know what I mean? Who's who's with me in this? Who who can I call at three in the morning? When when the persecution comes, because the responsibility for me is not just to pastor a church in 2015. I've got to prepare for the days that are coming, and I think persecution's coming. I'm not trying to sound some strange alarm. I'm just understanding the times, right? When that day comes, well, you're going to have to know who can I call, who can I trust, who's, who's with me. We've got to love one another earnestly, develop deep relationships with one another. Now, I'm not saying that you've got to show up for home groups on the first line and pour out your life story and deepest, darkest secrets. That's not how, how it works. But we are seeking to have a time when you can get to know someone else, other like-minded believers beyond the, beyond the superficial. So first, we go deeper in God's word. Second, we go deeper in our relationships with one another. And, and third, home groups will allow us to deepen our prayer lives. Go with me to another scripture here in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, a little glimpse here, a little glimpse of the early church when they were facing full-on persecution. It wasn't theoretical in their case. No, it was serious. This scene that we're going to read from was written at a time when following Christ was not popular. Many in the government and many in the city hated Christians. There was great pressure on the Christians to silent their witness, to just tone it down, to conform their faith in Christ with the pressures of the culture. And, and, and that's what I'm suggesting is happening increasingly in our day. So we need time to pray together, not quick, shallow prayer, but fervent and deep prayer. As we see here in Acts chapter 4, verse 23, when they were released, this is James and John, they'd been in prison for preaching the gospel. They went to their friends. Who did they go to, church? Who did they go to? To their friends. And reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. Man, that's a great goal for a home group. They lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Interesting thing is you read this over and over and you, you can't find out who's actually voicing this prayer. You don't know if it's Peter, you don't know if it's James or John or some nameless follower of Christ. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, and by the Holy Spirit. And it goes on to say, uh, and, and down here, Verse 31, when they had prayed, the place which they were gathered together was shaken. They might have needed to tell the home group leaders that it's a possibility that your house could fall apart, I guess, because they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Continued to speak the word of God with boldness. You see the direct connection between boldly declaring God's word and people who pray together. So the third reason I want to deepen deepen our prayer lives. Now, let's wrap up where we started here in 1 Peter chapter 4. 
uh, Peter had been at that prayer meeting, by the way, right? Peter had been at that prayer meeting. And so he's writing a little bit later on in his life, 1 Peter chapter 4. The end of all things is his hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of suit, and show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Peter had been there. Peter knew there was no substitute for prayer. So why home groups? To deepen our study of God's word, to deepen our relationships with one another, to deepen our prayer lives. Now, I know that making adjustments creates questions, right? So, so let me just take about five minutes and answer briefly the most common questions you might have. I want to talk about this in June. This is where we're going in September, so that gives us plenty of time to, to, to think it through and to pray it through. Question number one, how, how is a home group organized? Probably the easiest way for me to answer this question is to tell you how it's, how it's not organized, a home group is not going to be organized by, by age. For, for example, all the young marrieds are not going to go to a home, this home, and then all the median adults or however we would want to articulate it. Some, sometimes we don't want to use some of these terms, I guess. And I guess I'm a median adult. I haven't thought about this. I'm, am I still a young married? Anyway, okay. So we don't want a home group to all be in the same season of life. One of the dangers sometimes we get in as, a, as, as churches is when we separate everybody from, e, from each other. You say, why do, why do we not want to do it that way? Uh, turn with me to Titus. Book of Titus. So if you're in First Peter, just flip back a few books. Just right before Hebrews, you'll find, uh, you'll find uh, Titus. I mean, you'll actually find Philemon, but you know, and then Titus. <laughs> Titus chapter 2. Titus 2, verses 1 through 5. A very important Bible principle for us. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. You see a really important principle? Who's to help and encourage young men? Older men. Who are to help and encourage younger women? Older women. You see? You see? So, so we don't want a home group where a bunch of young men are sitting around and the very people that are supposed to be helping them are somewhere else, right? So, so almost what we want to do, we, we, we don't have this, and this would be really weird if we did, is if a crane just came in here to this congregation right now and just scooped up at random 12 to 16 people and then plopped them in a home. That's what we want the home group to be. Don't worry, there are actually no cranes, and even if there were, I would warn you ahead of time because a pastor protects his people come on that was a little bit funny <laughs> now there will be a few contributing factors to how home groups are organized one's likely going to be geography you know we just find out here's where you live i want to be in a home group all right well we're not going to make you drive 30 minutes to a home group if there's one meeting within a two or three mile radius of your of your home Another practical one that is anticipating a question that I know that you've already got is we we'll probably need to disperse the number of children in every home group. We don't want one home group that's meeting and got 25 kids, some of them hanging from the ceiling, and the other home group is meeting in quiet solitude with no children. So we want, we, we want a home group that's really like a family. It's got multi-generations. It's got people who've walked with Christ for decades. 
look at these words, by the way, while we're here. Let's, let's take two questions at, at, at well, okay, right, let's do this. Uh, and question over here. What about my children, right? Where, where do my children go? Your children will go with you. Your children are going to go with you to home groups. So what are they going to do once they get there? Well, Pastor Josh has worked diligently and faithfully. He's done an awesome job of putting together children's guides for each home group. So just do this real quick. You're going to show up, and we're going to, we're going to do our best. Every home group's got a manageable number of children. So how many adults do you have in each home group? 12 to 16. So among the 12 to 16 adults, now I know not every 12 to 16, not, not all the adults, um, we're all gifted in different ways. Some of those 12 to 16 adults are going to be amazing musically because some are going to be amazing with showing hospitality. And then at least some of the adults are going to be amazing at leading children, right? And so, so on a rotating basis, say uh, one Wednesday night, I'll just use Julie, my wife, she's awesome with children. One Wednesday night, she's not going to be in the adult discussion because she's going to be leading the children. And what are the children going to be doing? They're going to be doing pretty much what they're doing on Wednesday nights right now, studying the Bible, singing together, having fun, playing games, memorizing scripture, memorizing books of the Bible, and reading about missions and missionaries. And then the next week that comes around, it won't be Julie, but another adult in the home group. Does that make sense? And so we just begin to rotate it around. So your children go with, with you. Now, I know I'm a bit biased on this one, but I think this church family is amazingly blessed with a remarkable group of children. And I cannot, I cannot wait to see 15 or 20 years from now what God does with this generation of children that's currently coming up at Calvary. And if God's going to do something amazing with this group of children, it actually begins with our church family continuing to adopt a perspective of children that Jesus has. Do you remember, do you remember this scene in, in, in the Gospels where Jesus was about to minister and the disciples, like Peter, who wrote, who in time wrote, love one another? Uh, he, they tried to stop the children from coming to Jesus. Do you remember this? Jesus was about to teach, and they were like, oh, oh now it's, it's, it's church time, so get these kids out of here, right? We don't want them here. It's, Jesus is going to teach. And these people started to bring children up for Jesus to see and love and kiss and hold and pray over. And the disciples were like, no, 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 get the children out of here. And what did Jesus say? Remember what Jesus said? No, 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 you stop. You stop stopping them. That's a paraphrase I know. He said, let the children come to me. God's doing a lasting work in so many of our children's lives. I've sat with them. I've prayed with them. I've talked to them. And and I think with adults who approach children the way Jesus did, God will continue to do a great work among them. Now, is it going to be challenging? Let's answer it all together. Yes. Are there times where the children will be too loud? Answer together. Yes. Are there going to be times a mom and her dad are trying to be involved in the group discussion and here comes so-and-so and he's got this need and he's screaming and they're fighting? Is that going to happen? Yes. Yes. Is it going to be worth it to go through all that trouble? I think yes. So, so what, what, children come with you. Try to organize it so that, again, one house doesn't have 30 kids and another's gone, so on and so forth. How about students? How about our precious young people? What, what do they do? Well, um, I don't want to try to answer every, every question, but this is an important one. Um, students are going to go with you to home groups, too. And students are going to be invited to participate in the discussion that the adults have. Look at Titus 2 real fast. Let, let, me, let me just read some qualifications. Sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, pure, kind, submissive. 
Now, this is not Brandon Preacher Man up here trying to condemn anybody. But would you use those terms by and, uh, I know a lot of young people who are that. And, and, and a lot of things are just thrown out that aren't actually true of a lot of young people. But our culture, when it comes to teenagers and college students, our culture is not really sending a message that our young people should be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled. As a matter of fact, it's almost the opposite, right? I mean, every program that you watch encourages children to be unsober-minded, undignified, not self-controlled. Question. Now, we're asking a question. According to the Bible, according to the Bible, where would a young person learn to be those things? According to the Bible. From who? From older. Someone older. It's a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous lie of our culture to say that young people just always need to be separated and cordoned off with other young people. It's dangerous. They don't need to be cordoned off. They need to be brought in. Now, without going into great detail, I could say with pretty good authority that one of the reasons that God did a work in my life was because some adults, in addition to my amazing parents, in addition to my amazing parents, I had some unbelievable adults in the church family that I grew up in that took an interest in me and loved me and helped me and supported me and so on and, and, and so forth. So when you get to home group, I don't want to view a, a 14 or a 15-year-old person as someone who just needs to, 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 go, to go away. As, as a matter of fact, you've heard all the research, when a young person graduates high school and they go out, so many are leaving the church. Well, you know, one of the reasons that, that happens, you know, one of the reasons that that happens is they didn't have any ties to the adults in their church. And so when they graduated high school, all the kids that they graduated with, they all went to different colleges, and they all went to different places, and they didn't have any ties to anybody in the church other than the young people. Does that make sense? And so, so one of the reasons that young people graduate and don't stay in a church is they don't have any meaningful relationships with adults who care about them. How many of you who are, an adult in your, who are adults right now, and when you were young, had a an adult in the church who greatly influenced you for the kingdom. You had a Sunday school teacher. You had a Wednesday night leader. You had somebody, right? So uh, Pastor Josh will be leading an additional time for students on Sunday evenings. So, so, so if you're hanging with me, parents of youth and you young people, uh, Wednesday nights, home groups, but now Sundays, Josh is going to be leading, leading you. So, you. so you're not actually having any diminishment of time that you meet together, but now we're inviting you into these home groups. Well, I know that there are lots of other questions, and when's this group meet, and this, this group might meet on a Wednesday night, now we're in there. So when you leave this morning, you're going to have this color sheet. I, I asked Terry for Carolina blue, and this is what she gave me. So, um, so you're going to get this sheet. We just need it to be a different color. On the table right, uh, right out as you exit our welcome table, you're going to see it says, Calvary Baptist Church, September 2015, Cornerstone Weekly Bible Study and Home Group Information, right? So this has been a surmountment. This has been a sermon slash uh, 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 announcement. And you got some other questions that maybe I, I didn't answer in great detail. And then you might get this sheet and you got other questions. And you say, well, what about this? And did you think through that? And I want you to know as, as your pastor, I didn't, I didn't decide this Friday. This is something we've prayed about and talked about for, uh, for, for, for a long time now. So I know that this morning has been a little bit different than our typical Sunday morning. So we're going to enter a time of invitation. I'm going to ask you to respond in, in this way. So we've gone over this. This is how it's probably landed. For some of you, well, you heard home groups. Well, you didn't even get the word home group out of, your, out of my mouth. And you said, man, I'm in. I'm in. 
And I've longed for that. I've wanted to be a part of a group that meets on a, you know, on a, on a basis like that, in a setting like that, for the very reasons that you're saying, go deeper in God's word, go deeper in prayer, go deeper in fellowship. And then it might have landed with some of you, and you're just kind of, oh, okay, okay, that's, that's fine, no big deal. I'm, I'm going to ask you just to pray, just pray. You might say, well, that's fine if some people want to do that. I want you to take time to pray if God would have you to participate in it. If, you, if you're saying, well, that's fine, but I probably won't be able to be able to make that. Just take, just take the invitation time to pray and ask God. Think over these scriptures. Am I loving people earnestly? Am I praying with people deeply? And, and then there also might be also might be some folks who we go over this and say, no, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think that's what we should do. I know anytime we change something in a, in, as, a, as a church family, it could be some things maybe I didn't think about or that you just say, I just don't think, I just don't think. Now you, I hope, I hope, I hope that you know I'm not into changing something just for the sake of changing something, right? That's not really what I'm into. We're seeking to make this change because of the things that we've outlined here in the Scripture, to love one another earnestly, to go deeper in the Word. So, so would you take this opportunity as we enter the invitation? I've done my best, done my best to outline why, when we hit September 9th, Cornerstone Bible Study, when we hit September 16th, home groups. Done my best to outline that, why we're doing that. My responsibility is to protect and provide for the flock that God's entrusted with, knowing that I'm going to appear before him one day. And I've studied God's word, I've prayed, I've sought wise counsel, prayed some more. And I think it's a healthy adjustment for our church family to make. So in conclusion, next Sunday, next Sunday when you come at the table, does everybody know where the table located right outside the fellowship hall is? There's a table that looks like a twin of this welcome table, but it's back there. It's right by the couches. You're going to see a pretty prominent display about home groups. And you're going to have an t- opportunity there to be a little uh, sheet of paper you can take and fill it out. Say, I'm, I'm in Wednesday, September 16th. Uh, so that that'll process will begin next Sunday. And then we get a little bit later on in the su- uh, summer before we hit September. You'll know I'm in this home group. I'm going to go to this group, so on and so forth. Does that make sense? So let's conclude where we started. Y'all are patient with me. That's the fourth time I've said conclude, isn't it? Second Peter Sorry, 1 Peter chapter 4. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. See, God's gifted us to serve each other as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is the one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is the one who serves by the strength of God's supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Well, let's stand together. I invite you to a time of invitation. I invite you to a time of prayer. In humility, I'd invite many of you to respond by perhaps coming to the front and just praying. Praying that God would bless our church praying that God would be at work among us, that we would deepen our love and affection for God's word and that God's word would be at work deeply among us, casting down these giants we've talked about, encouraging us to drop our masks and and, and to love one another earnestly, to forgive one another, to be patient with one another. Maybe you want to come and just pray that God would be at work in a mighty way. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, 
that what you say in your word would be true of us continually, more so and more so. What a precious church family to be a part of, where people love each other, people believe God's word, people trust Christ, people are devoted to raising children, to to be exposed to the gospel. So I pray specifically for Wednesday, September 9th. Thank you for the seniors that we've got in our church family. That we'd study God's word together. That we'd sing great songs of the faith and love each other through what can often be a challenging season of life. That you'd root us to the scripture. We'd be joyful. And I also pray for Wednesday, September the 16th. I pray for the home groups. I thank you for the leaders who've already said, hey, you can come to my house. And I pray that each home will be filled up with multiple generations. And young people to our precious saints, that every house has got somebody from every generation in it to encourage each other, to love each other. By your grace to, to deepen our affection and love for one another, to deepen our relationships with one another, to have devoted times of prayer. And that you'd use this. We're not seeking to change for the sake of change, but we are seeking to be changed. And it's hard for me sometimes, Father, to understand that sanctification and the gospel are group projects. We really need each other. Thank you for this precious church family. Lead our time of prayer and invitation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.